So the final How To Be 60 Before Christmas and I have set up a surprise for Karen. I told her that we would be speaking to the Reverend Richard Coles but in fact it is her not so secret crush. Oh my god it's Ken Bruce! <laughs> oh my god how exciting! Oh my god I can't believe this! Well I can't believe what I've been listening to all this porno talk for the last 10 minutes honestly. It's a oh good my... job it's not Reverend Richard Coles that's what I can say. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Ho, 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 everyone. It is just around the corner. Nothing to do with the baby Jesus. We're talking about my big <laughs> 6 birthday. This is my last How to Be 60 podcast as a 59-year-old. That is, I know. How are you feeling? That is momentous. Well, I'm feeling actually a bit short-changed because I thought that you might kind of roll out the barrels because it's such a momentous day and you actually had the audacity to bring in one cardamom bun for three of us. Beyond that, you asked the people in the cafe to divide it into three sections. I know. Which is like meanness on a scale that I have never encountered in my life. I have to say, they were enormous. They were, no, they were enormous. Can I just say they weren't enormous? Well, when I said if I didn't, you maybe got the bigger bit. <laughs> and you, you got the slithers. Is it oh, slithers yeah. or slivers? Honestly, I mean, I slivers. thought you'd at least bring some elderflower cordial. I mean, did you bring anything? I mean, it's two days before Christmas. It's less than a week until my birthday. I'm like totally crushed. There's two full days. What? Before Christmas and uh, But this is the last time I'll see you. How do you know I might just pop up somewhere? <laughs> oh God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> now she's threatening me. <laughs> Listen, seriously, how far do you think you've come? How far do I think I've come mm -hmm. in learning how to be sixty? Yes, yeah. Um I think actually I have come quite a long way. Well, I mean, apart from anything else, I've said it out loud lots of times. Yes. I'm about to be 60. I'm about to be 60, which is progress in itself, considering I lied mm -hmm. my tits off mm -hmm. for 59 years. So that's definitely progress. Um, it doesn't give me the fear when I do say it. And that in itself is amazing. Isn't I know. It? I know. I know. And... Um, yeah, I feel quite excited about it. Like I said last week, you know, when you have this deadline that's been dangling in front of you for such a long time, mm -hmm. then I guess it's just my nature to want to burst through the tape. You know, and then after that, I don't know, I might I might be on a downer. I mean, we're going to speak on my birthday on the 28th of December. Um, and I don't know what my mood is going to be like then. You, you never know. Are you warning me now? Yeah, no, no, I might be like, mm -hmm. hi, Karen. Hey, hey, this is fabulous. Or I might oh, be... you might be yourself. <laughs> myself yeah 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 but you know i'm disappointed i mean did you at least listen to my radio show today instead of i did actually oh you did so you didn't learn to listen to ken bruce i listened to popmaster and then i turned oh, it over to you for god's sake can't you just I listen like to that. me once all the way through why did you give me a credit or anything or did no. you say hello to me no no i did actually listen to the program but what is it going to take to wean you away from ken bruce uh Probably a bit harder work from you, I guess. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, kind of like more, more of a bond, more of a sort of um, friendly tone instead of a colleague tone. It, so, I mean, is he that much better than me? He's just got... Actually, why are you going on about Ken Bruce? I know, because I was just asking if you were doing the show. If you would listen no, to the show. No, that's not like you. What? I don't know. So, I mean, we haven't got... No. I just suddenly thought... That would have been nice, actually. What would have been nice? <laughs> Ken Bruce on. Do you... It's forgot, shut up, because the Reverend Richard Coles might be listening. He's not listening, is he? No, the Reverend Richard Coles is not listening. Thank God for that. We could edit it out if he was. We could edit it Listen, out. Listen, the good thing right. is, this year, I brought a new book, my notepad. Do you remember how I was, um, scrote book? Oh my God, what is that? I think it's because I'm all, I used to always go on about all these old scrotes that were kind of around. You know, when you'd old men that you'd have to kind of like get on the program and, <laughs> and they would just be really annoying and all stuck in their ways and as part of my birthday present it's just a dog leg like i've never ever had before <laughs> can you look at the picture on the front oh it's an old man's willy it's a scrot book it's great oh, it's, it's just a... disgusting get rid of that it's that offensive material it's just that, well it's one better than my scrappy bits she's going to get done under the obscene communications act <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely terrible. It's such a great word, isn't it, you old screw? Yeah, it, it is. It all. 
I, I actually, I, I'm just dying to tell you, but I've got a great surprise for you today because of Christmas. You've done nothing for me, but you're... Kate, 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 there's 48 hours to go. Yeah, no, you keep saying that, but And I know I... how you hate surprises. No, I have got a surprise for you today. That pert butt of yours is going to be clenching with delight. Right. It is going to be a very nervous listen for Stephen. That is all I'm saying. It is very, very exciting. This feels like this is your life or something I know, like it really does. It really does. But... I mean, I should be asking you about Christmas because as you keep saying, it's 48 hours for mm -hmm. Christmas. But I'm much more interested. How did the big audition go? Can we God. declare that a star is born? Have you done the audition? <laughs> that what, was what amateur dramatic society, uh, is it? Oh, God, it's... Um, Are you not wanting to say it in public? No, okay, Probably right. not, actually. A local amateur oh, dramatic. Oh, my God, it was horrible. Do you know what? I had it off patch, two and a half minutes, and I had it, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was going at it because it was last night. And I was practicing it all the time. And then actually I thought, oh, I'm starting to make mistakes now. I can't remember. And it was as it was getting near and near the time. I started sort of forgetting the words. Oh, Christ. I was so nervous. It was so out of my comfort zone. In fact, Kay, I thought of you and Strictly. I think I can liken it to going on Strictly. You bloody cannot. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I dressed. But oh, my God, it was so scary. So paint the scene, paint the scene. Who was there? Uh, three people, a woman and two men. Sure. A woman and two men um, went. So I went in, and they said, "What's your experience?" Uh, none. Have you ever seen us, uh, you know, perform? No. I thought, oh my, oh, that was God. mistake number one. You're supposed to walk in and say, "I absolutely love all your performances. Yeah. I've been to this one, that one, and the next well, I one." I hadn't been to any of them. But for God's sake, just lie. I can't lie like you. Well, it no, comes second nature to it you. Does, it does not. It to does me. absolutely come second nature to me, which is why I'm so uh, successful. But, uh, Presbyterian, <laughs> pre oh really? That's debatable. <laughs> God, <laughs> I love your fucking confidence. <laughs> Can I get some of it? And it was bloody awful. Oh God, it was. Ah, yeah, yeah. I went in the door, and the woman said, um, "Oh, I know you." And I said, I don't think so. She said, no, no, I know you. Anyway, turns out she thought it was my sister. So that was a bit of a... Going maybe. well. <laughs> yes. And I said, no, that was my sister. She's older. And that was a few years ago. And then the young lad didn't have a clue. So that was he. She thought I was Aggie McKenzie. And I said, no, 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 no. Anyway, they said, so what experience? And I said, oh, God, the only experience I've had, and I've had one tiny little bit of experience is going on stage this year at the Edinburgh Fringe. I said, I... Um, it's part of a podcast. Don't say your name dropped with, my name. With did you? my colleague. I didn't. I said with a former colleague. Oh, thanks for nothing. Anyway, it came out because she said, Oh, I listened to you on a Wednesday morning on Radio Scotland. Seriously? Oh promise my you. God. I know. So I said, Well, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. And I what did she, she did, say? Was she, she stony faced? No, no, no. She was, um, no, no, she smiled. Anyway, did my piece. Forgot my words. Um, they kind of helped me along. I left. It. Then they gave me another piece from um, Calendar Girls. And she said, uh, now this is a northern accent. You're not going to get your buns out, And I you? said, northern Scotland. She went, no, northern England. And I was like, okay. So it's a sort of kind of like, hey, get bloody cut off table. Kind of, you know, Yorkshire or Lancashire or something like that. That's, you still speak English? That's the only bit that I know in that accent. So um, did a bit of Calendar Girls. Had to leave the room then was tempted to kind of like be listening at the door, but I didn't and uh, came back in and there was a forum there saying, so I'm part of it. Whoa, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no. I've not done that. It's they didn't really see, good news. Yeah, maybe in the chorus or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Oh, but that is excellent I know, news. I know. I can't believe it, actually. Well done, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank well you. Well done. Well, we can now say the name of it now. Uh, yeah, oh, God. Um, it's uh, <laughs> Gifnick Players. <laughs> Gifnick Players, something or other. Oh my God! God they said have it to, this bit. They're yeah. going to have to oh, do. Oh, Gifnick Players, amateur dramatic group. Yeah, that was really convincing. Oh, that was no. excellent. Shall we go on to the emails? Because you're uh -huh. probably by the time you get home, you're going to have a little email saying, "Karen, we have revised our decision to oh, admit you it. to the Gifnick Players because basically you're a liability." Uh, right here we go. Right. Sarah, lovely email from Sarah. Hey, ladies! Wow, wow, wow! What a fabulous podcast with Tracy Cox. I absolutely loved it. I was on my usual walk through the woods. That's a bit suspicious. <laughs> Anyway, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt there, Sarah. And I was completely enthralled. I definitely learned so much and at times was laughing my head off. As an older lady, 53, I realised the fact that my husband, 63, is constantly trying to get me into bed. I should possibly be grateful yeah. rather than irritated. I spend half my life fending him off. But in all seriousness, I have realised I need to work on myself and communicate more. Thank you, you guys. You wow. are hilarious. Wow. Good. Isn't that good? I listened to the Tracy Cox one. 
Did again, you? Again. Yes. Did it make you sweat? Uh, it just made me feel really naive, actually. I know, I know. Yeah, me and too. then I googled something. It what, felt wrong. What, what did you Google? Go and tell me. A bit of porn. Did you Google porn? <laughs> it wasn't right. Oh my God, I'm feeling uncomfortable too. I felt really uncomfortable. It was like, You're oh. blushing. Well, no wonder <laughs> I've got all these layers on, but actually I'm down to bum too. I just thought, oh my God, how do I raise this history? But I mean, it was one that she recommended on her site. Didn't make oh, any difference. Oh, you've been spending a bit of time, haven't well, you? Well, I did. I went home and I spoke to Stephen about it. Uh, and I said, listen, you should listen to this week's podcast. It's quite good. Um, and I thought, God, is that a mistake or not? Anyway because he was mentioned again. Uh, so, um, yeah, it didn't feel right. No, did, did, I mean, so you watched the porn? Well, Stephen was upstairs in a bit of guitar. <laughs> With his plectrum. <laughs> Plucking away. <laughs> Oblivious to all. <laughs> and were you fully closed or? Uh, I can't remember. Uh... <laughs> This is not what I was expecting to be talking about at all. The Reverend Richard no, Cole I'm... is going to be really Christ. shocked. Um, you keep saying his name in a really funny way. Well, it's because reverends don't usually watch porn. Just say Dickie. Just say Big Dick. <laughs> well, thank God Sorry. we can edit. Shall we go on to the next email? Uh, you yeah. say you've got one. Yeah, I've got one from Val. <laughs> Val saying, you can, can. I just had to write and tell you much. I'm loving your podcast. Oh, the baby I Jesus discovered... isn't listening. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I discovered you when I was home in Scotland and I'm continuing, um, continuing to listen. Stand by. <laughs> now I'm back in Texas. Texas. Yeah. As someone who is galloping towards the big six zero, uh, your show really resonates with me. Thanks for making me laugh. Excuse me a minute, Val. I've got. A, I know I'm sniffing nose because it's quite cold outside and we're warming here. P.S. Can I love? Oh, I'd love the recipe for your famous tablet, please. Yes, absolutely, Val. I wonder where we could put that. See if we had a site. No, we we'll put it on the. But website. it's not very complicated, is it? I mean, it's basically sugar, sugar, and sugar. Mm, condensed we, milk, sugar, and sugar, sugar. Right, we full can, milk. We can read it out at the end. Hold on, Val. You're mad. Yeah, you can <laughs> listen till the end, Val, right. and, and we'll it. give you the tablet right. recipe. Okay. Um, right, this is from Tony. Right. He hey, says, Tony. I'm Tony from Glasgow. Hi, Kay and Karen. I'm not quite 60, just two years and six months shy, uh, but currently time is flying. I've been an avid listener to your brilliant podcast for months now and have listened to all of your back catalogue. I love the thought of having a back catalogue. Mm. <laughs> Mind your back catalogue. Um, you're both definitely in my top three podcasts, and I feel it gets better each week. Oh, that's something. Can I also say I loved your recent podcast with Phil Vickery? A lot of what he said right. really resonated with me, and I'm sure a lot of your viewers, well, listeners, uh, especially about a healthy work life balance, please invite more men on the podcast, as I, I feel that you both can get guys to open up more with your banter and chat. So, isn't that absolutely prescient given no, that we have a, a male guest today? So, Indeed. here we go. Are you ready for our, your big surprise? Oh, Unfortunately, is... I couldn't Wait. get him wrapped up and underneath your tree, but it is the next best thing. So, so it's not. Oh, well, hang on. Has he joined us yet? Okay. God, Can it's we not see? Stephen, is it? No, no, no. Oh, my God, it's Ken Bruce. <laughs> Oh my god, how exciting! Oh my god, I can't believe this. Well, I can't believe what I've been listening to all this porno talk for the last 10 minutes. Honestly, it's a oh good my... job it's not Reverend Richard Coles. That's what I can say. Though uh, I am I am a minister in my own church, actually. The the church of the not very satisfactory conception. That was uh, that was where I was ordained. So it's lovely to see you, Karen. Lovely to see you. Oh, Oh my God, I'm so excited. You've been talking about porn in front of Ken Bruce. Oh my God. I know. Hold on a minute. I just chill myself down. Oh my no, God. I'm, you can see the blush on my face with all that. Oh, it's too, I mean, honestly, I've never heard such talk. Did you recognise me in the porn though? Did you see, did you see me? <laughs> it's a woman were you, actually. Were you big dick? <laughs> you know, one doesn't like to, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh my God, if I'd known you were sitting there, I wouldn't have been talking like that. Oh, to would you have worn that jumper if you knew Ken No, Bruce I would was not. There. And I had to put on my special lipstick and I would have, oh, there's all sorts of things I would have changed. Really? Yeah. Today, and, today, and I would have blown yeah. my nose as well. 
Well, do it now. It's all right. I can't. I've not even got a bit. Oh, I might have. Excuse me. She's no, gone for a tissue. Have you, you always had sleeve. this effect on women? You've got a uh, sleeve Kev? on your jumper, haven't you? I know, but it's be one long string. You would be attractive. <laughs> not attractive at all. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. <laughs> I'm so excited. I know. Well, so, Ken, have you always had this effect on women? Oh, all the time. They follow, they follow my feet all the time. You know, honestly, when I was younger, nobody paid me the slightest bit of attention. And they still don't. So I've got used to it over the years. You know, I was a teenager who was left at the side. And uh, even at this advanced age, I'm still being passed by in the street. I am sure you're not. But, I mean, I'm thinking that maybe Karen had a crush on you back in the day in BBC Radio Scotland. Oh, um, such but... a wonderful voice. So beautiful. Did... Oh, you, you're oh, properly fangirling oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I oh, know totally. Sorry, excuse me. It's all right. She's now going to blow her nose with a napkin that was in beside the cardamom bun. <laughs> oh my god! It's very tasty, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cardamom bun, the tissue. Uh, right. <laughs> oh god, you led me to believe that you're looking at me, talking about me. <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you just believe that. That's all you need I to do. I know. I know. <laughs> So you're selling yourself short there, Ken, because you are a radio superstar, um, you know, but still that Glasgow boy at heart, eh? Well, I've never really uh, been anything other, uh, you know, you can't, if you're born and brought up in Glasgow, you don't get a chance to get above yourself, do you? You know, you get, you get your feet caught away from you every opportunity. Uh, nobody likes you to get above yourself. Uh, you know, nobody's got a, a, a better idea of themselves in Glasgow than they can have or they should have. You're always brought down to earth by somebody. Oh, he fancies his bad habit, doesn't he? That's the sort of thing you get. And uh, oh, him, Kenny's feather. Uh, you know, you get brought back to earth. So that's always happened through my life. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no different to the way I was back in 1980, whatever, uh, except older. That's the only difference. Yeah, but I mean, you've been down south for so long, um, you know, you're one of the most popular, I think you're actually the most popular DJ in the UK, however they, they kind of measure that. So, um, you know, surely you've left that, that Glasgow boy behind a bit. No, I don't think so. I hope not anyway, because, uh, you know, most of you, I think your formative years are the most important right through your life. Once you've been settled in your personality between the ages of about, what, 13 and 23, once you've been settled in that, then that's you for life. And I didn't leave Glasgow until I was 33. So uh, I've been, you know, I, I had that ingrained into me right at an early age. And uh, I like to think I've not changed, although people in Scotland will say, oh, yeah, you know, he's lost his accent. He's gone all, gone all posh on us. Uh, and everybody in England thinks I'm tremendously Scottish. And they can't understand a word I say. So uh, yeah, I, I, I like to think I'm the same guy I was, but, uh, you know, as I say, a little bit more creaky and uh, things don't work quite so well as they used to. When you have a Scottish person on um, Potmaster, your tone is different. Yes, yeah, it's I like nicer. to think so. I think yeah. I'm speaking the same. Well, I don't think I'm nicer. I wouldn't like to think I was favouring anybody, but I think oh, I you lapse into... No, no. <laughs> I lapse into Scottish more easily. And, and I, I speak the language, especially with somebody from Aberdeen when I do all the fit like, fish and and all that sort of stuff to them, just to, to show that I understand how they are and what they talk like. But, uh, you know, I, no, I show no fear or favour. I am absolutely... I, I get accused of always having Scottish people on Potmaster. There's yeah. another Scot And, of course, we don't, um, no. you know, any more than the natural population. Uh, but I'm always seen to be favouring Scottish people or um, I have more on from Scotland. And it's nothing to do with me, the people that come on. So uh, I, I'm afraid I reject the assertion, my lad, that mm. I favour Scottish contestants, but it's always nice to talk to. How about the, the humour, Ken? I mean, certainly I, I remember, I don't know whether it'd be the same with you, when I started to work down south, well, I mean, I got my first job at a university in Birmingham. And I have to say my humour probably didn't play very well. I think it was maybe a bit yeah. too dry and probably still is, though I did probably consciously work on it. I was very aware that an English audience could see you as really doer, where you <laughs> just thought you were being dry. Did you get ever yeah, get that? Exactly that. Uh, it took the Radio 2 audience quite a while to get used to me because I was, as you say, quite dry, a little bit, uh, not cruel, but critical of people, a bit sharp 
with yeah. people and uh, they would say oh well, why are you like that you know because they, they trying to frighten the horses a bit in england when you do that sort of thing uh, but we are used to in scotland glasgow particularly we're used to people being quite quick in repartee quite sharp at you and you having to defend yourself very quickly so uh, that took a while and i still today get people you know your dear friend richie anderson who sends his best by oh, the way to you richie he's love yeah yes uh, he he uh, you know we have a kind of bantering relationship and i give him a slightly hard time but you know in, in, in a pleasant way but just this week and somebody said you're very cruel to richie you know you must realize you're upsetting him and you know of course i'm not but yeah. it is a way of uh, expressing yourself that we in Scotland have, which is friendly banter, but quite sharp. That it doesn't seem to extend right through the country. Yeah. I think it's quite flirty, your relationship with him. Um, it's like, nice. I think, yeah. I, I, <laughs> she, she's she's <laughs> got <laughs> sex on her mind, no, Ken. Yeah, Don't excuse yeah. her today. See if I was rich. I'm sure. <laughs> I just say for the record, Richie and I have no relationship beyond our work. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Well, that's the Daily Mail headline sorted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I wonder if it, it is quite an acerbic sense of humour that I think we share. It's not just Glasgow. I think it's I think it's Scottish working class, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned it, your formative years. What were your formative years like? Well, I went to what used to be called a very good school, well, a good school. So I, I wasn't exactly working class. I was uh, lower middle class, I think. But my dad, you know, we had a very small business, but he paid for us all to go through Hutchie, Hutchinson's Grammar School. So we all went there. Um, to be fair, back in those days, I don't think it was as good a school as it probably is now, because I came out of it not tremendously well-educated at all. Got scraped through my exams enough to go into study but it wasn't uh, it wasn't something I think I came out of particularly well educated. So then I went into uh, after I'd failed at accountancy a couple of years, I went into washing cars just to pass the time and get some cash in. And that's when I feel I got I got to know the working person in Scotland at that time, and I loved what I was working with. And I don't think I've ever lost that. And so how did the idea of radio come up then? I mean, if you were training to be an accountant and then you spent a time like, just sort of, you know, doing this and that, how did you get into radio? Well, I'd always been interested in radio. So I did hospital radio. I got into the Glasgow and West of Scotland Hospital Broadcasting Organisation or uh, service. And uh, I did some hospital radio. And eventually I heard on the grapevine there, because they were well connected, that there was a job coming up in BBC Scotland for an announcer. And uh, I applied for it. The job, actually, the vacancy disappeared. Uh, mm. But they kept me on. They put me on a three-month contract. And that was in 1977. And I've been working five days a week on the radio for the BBC ever since. Wow. And It just, it just happened. Is it because it's what you love or is it because it's now become a habit? No, I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I don't think I'd still be doing it uh, after all these years if I didn't love it. I actually do. I feel better every day when I've been on the radio. I come off the air always feeling much better than I did when I went on. So it is, and it's, a, it's just a joy. Is that I right? absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. You yeah. could learn from that, Key. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say I sound it, but I do. I feel it. I feel much happier at the end of it. It's like an adrenaline burst and it really, it really does me good. Yeah. Um, do you ever worry about that hand on your shoulder? You are 71 now. Radio 2 is an evolving beast, as we know. Well, I don't worry about it um, because if it happens, when it happens, and, uh, you know, either they will decide or I will decide, uh, that's enough for now. So it happens to everybody. And uh, if you worry about it, then you'll it'll affect your everyday performance so don't worry about it just get on with it and uh, you know it's 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 an enjoyable thing if i didn't work where i do work i would do something else somewhere else i would probably go back to hospital radio and still do that or uh, do a shipping forecast on radio 4 or whatever but i would still want to be in that kind of communication business it's just in my dna i think 
God, you do love it, don't you? How old was Terry? What's his face when he left? Terry Wogan. <laughs> Terry Wogan. Uh, he was. Face. What's his face? How soon they forget? <laughs> hey? Oh, show business. It's transient and ephemeral. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget your name, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that now. But... Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Terry. Uh, he was working until his uh, last few months, actually. So he, uh, you know, he kept on working because he loved broadcasting. He loved radio. Mm. Not so keen on television uh, from conversations I had with him, but he, he enjoyed doing television, but he loved radio. So do you always see yourself as, as working? I mean, obviously, the, the podcast is called How to Be 60, and I've had this big thing about, you know, reaching that kind of milestone and whether or not I should be making different choices in life. Um, have you ever, at whatever period, whether it's 60 or some time since then, thought, OK, Ken, maybe it's time to do something else? Well, the thing is, I can't do anything else. So I've, I've not discovered anything else. I'm completely impractical. So I can't, you know, I, you can't say, oh, why don't you retire and potter about and do some DIY? I can't. Hopeless at that sort of thing. So I, I wouldn't, pottering is not what I do. DIY is hopeless. I could just about paint a wall and that's it. Nothing else. I was just putting up the Christmas lights uh, outside the house yesterday. And they fell off three times before I actually had to put I had to put panel pins into the wall to keep them up there. So I'm I'm, I'm hopeless at even simple things like that. Right. So uh, I get to, I got to sixty, which incidentally wasn't a big problem for me. I didn't uh, I didn't worry about sixty at all. Fifty was a bit more wobbly, and seventy was just a bit. It's not so much that you feel any different. It's just that you think. 70 oh right okay so how many and you start to count how many you might have left and then you think no i'll stop counting and let's not bother about that so there is a there's a kind of intimation of mortality at certain points in your life uh, but 60 i have to say wasn't one as to you know working i can't really retire it's not it's not an onerous job talking on the radio it's not you know it's just talking uh, and i enjoy it so why would i start i would never retire voluntarily i think but uh, you never know i might be retired so for you then it's not about kind of superstardom because i mean right now you're at the top of the tree um which is marvelous you know you're incredibly popular but it sounds as if you just love doing the job and you would be doing it even if you weren't doing it at the top of the tree oh absolutely i mean it's not about never about being famous or anything like that it was about being on the radio and Again, when I started, being on the radio didn't make you famous very much. Uh, there were some very famous people on Radio 1 and 2 at the time, but they tended to be, there was quite a quick turnover at the time. Really, only very few people stayed on, Terry Wogan and Jimmy Young, but the only two you can think of. Um, but no, I, I never wanted to be famous. I was very happy being an announcer at BBC Scotland and reading the news and doing continuity and doing a good job. It was about doing a good job and having the respect of your peers. Uh, and that's more or less what it's always been about for me. I still make sure that what I'm doing, no matter how popular or unpopular it is, uh, the people I'm working for think I get, did a good job. <laughs> but you're saying you wouldn't care if you were famous. The fact is you are famous. Do you enjoy being famous? Well, it's a difficult one. I, I quite like it when people come up and stop me in the street and say, oh, okay, and enjoy the show. I would not like it if they were shouting, you're rubbish, at, yeah, across the street. And I don't, I mean, my face is not as well known perhaps as my voice. And so I don't get the kind of, or you, I don't get the jab in the shoulder from people in pubs, things like that. I can still go to a pub and nobody notices me and nobody knows who I am. And that, that is, that's a great joy of radio in that you have a certain level of fame, but you don't have that all-encompassing fame that really affects your your whole life. So that's where I am, delighted with it. And it's lovely when people come up and say, oh, yeah, 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 I hear your programme. That's really lovely. But I don't want to be on the front page of every newspaper and I don't want everybody knowing who I am or my business. You know, I've got that kind of Scottish, oh, I've got a wee business of my own and I mind it. I've got that attitude, <laughs> uh, you know, just, you know, you know enough about me. The rest is mine. Yeah, do you ever change your voice if you don't want to be recognised? Because it is very recognisable. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't quite know how I would, apart from going hello. Um, <laughs> you I could go in an accent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I could do that sort of thing, but I don't think I could sustain that for too long. Uh, no, I just, I, I just, uh, I, I mumble if I 
think I'm going to be in there. But once you're recognised, you're recognised. There's nothing you can do about it. But uh, right where I live here, uh, you know, nobody gives a tuppenny about what I do. Uh, I'm just the bloke that lives along the road uh, that can't uh, do his own DIY. So uh, no, nobody knows, you know, they all know who I am, but they don't care. And I'm just the guy next door. Mm-hmm. So uh, you said no plans to give up work, right? Delighted about that. But what about from home? Is there no pressure from your wife about giving up work? No, Does no, work? not at all. Because yeah, yeah, she uh, works as a teaching assistant and we've got three children at home here. Um, but no, no, she understands that it's, you know, something that I do and uh, it was always what I do and uh, right. it will always be what I do. So she gets it. She knows that I'd be an absolute nuisance around the house if I had nothing to do. And I'd be miserable because, uh, you know, being on the radio makes me probably jollier than I would be. You know, the old sort of thing about the old older gentleman getting a bit grumpy and I do get grumpy and you know no. the thing I find, well the thing I find now is that uh, you know if somebody annoys me in the street or getting on a train or something like that where before I would just shake my head and think something now I'm pretty much saying it out loud now this is a way to get a sore face when you're an older person you know say my god take out the bloody way you know that that comes out now whereas it would still it would be a thought inside my head so uh, i am now getting to that stage saying out loud what should be kept quiet so would you say ken that work has been the biggest thing in your life yes yeah probably the, the 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 most continuity in my life has been what I do for a living. That has been the thing that is the thread right throughout. But if it came to a choice, if, you know, for whatever reason, it was uh, something in your family you need to take care of and you can't work five days a week, then that would be, you know, just a straight choice. I'd choose the family every time. Mm. Uh, but I would miss work. I miss broadcasting. I'd probably try and sneak a bit in here or there uh, just to keep me, keep my hand in. Is that something you've learned over time, though? that you know that the balance between family and work because obviously when you're climbing up the tree and you're, you're desperately trying to get the next job etc um sometimes your family has to come second have you know oh, yes yes uh, you know I'm, I'm quite open about that when i was younger i did uh, neglect my family earlier on a bit but uh, since i've been uh, married to kareth for the last 22 years i think uh, we, i've got the balance right mm. so what changed then how did you get the balance right? Maybe I just got older. Maybe I just got older and wiser. And, you know, I think we do learn from experience and think, uh, you know, this isn't worth, um, you, you should never have to make a choice, but you've got to get the balance right. And so I think, you know, I work now just at the things I want to do, the things that I enjoy doing. Uh, if somebody says, will you come and do an after-dinner speech? I say, absolutely not, because I hate doing after-dinner speeches. Uh, and no matter what, you know, you could dangle a king's ransom over my head and say, oh, will you do it for this? I'd say, no, because I absolutely hate it. And I'd rather be at home uh, with my family. We have uh, one of our children is autistic and needs a bit of care, a bit of looking after. And I'm more than happy to do that. And so well, since I've done the radio show, I'm off home. And it takes quite a lot to get me back into London uh, for something else. But, you know, if it's business or work related, then I might have to. But by and large, once I've done the radio show, I'm off home. I don't want to do very much else. Oh, so can I just check you are happily married? I am very happily married. <laughs> just that a check. No, that's all right. Nice of you to ask. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Uh, it's not selfish at all. There's nothing to do. I mean, it's purely thinking, hope, you know, purely your happiness. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I know. It's, it's a journalistic question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got six kids, Ken, but uh, you yes. have three for, in your present relationship. So they're younger ones. Um, what, what's the age range? Uh, the younger ones are 20, about to be 21, down to 14. 14, right. 17, 20 at the moment. And how does that feel? I mean, I, I'm I'm an older mum. My uh, kids are 20 and 16 in January. And I sometimes, you know, feel, gosh, I wish I had done this before. And obviously you've had a different kind of story to me. Um, do you feel the kind of weight responsibility for them? I, I know your, your eldest son, as you said, is autistic. Um, do you kind of worry about him going forward? 
Uh, well, yeah, I think that is a very natural worry. You know, what's what's going to happen? So we're you know we're looking at you know where you know might be a good uh, way for him forward. Where might be a good place for him going forward? Um, and the, the, my older children, they're completely grown up. You know, my eldest son is forty three, uh, so they've they've got families of their own. So everybody gets together though from time to time. We all meet up and uh, we all get on well. So it's uh, you know it, it's strange, but the younger family, um, I, I I you know I realised that you know I wasn't uh, as good a father perhaps earlier than I hope to be now. So I, I invest more time in the family now. Mm. So in, in what in what way then would you say that you're a better dad now? I just uh, I'm more aware of you know what I should be doing. Uh, I'm not sort of disappearing to do this, that, and the next thing at work. And uh, I think I also because of the experience of looking after uh, children earlier, and for a time I was a, a single father to my daughter for a time for a couple of years, shared parenting, but I was you know home alone with uh, my daughter when she was two, three, four. Um, so uh, I've I've learned a lot of you know care and how to be a parent, and I hope I've been applying that to the younger family, and uh, I'm there for them all the time. So I think I'm a, probably a better father as I'm older. There are things I you know I perhaps can't do. I, I can't run a marathon. Well, I might do if I probably trained for it, but uh, you know at my age, I'm not I'm not particularly. Uh, you know, athletic or anything like that. So um, I, I don't sort of play football all day and all night in the, the garden with the, the kids. But I think they, they get other things. They get a laugh. <laughs> it's, it's such a familiar story, that isn't it? Particularly from successful men, I have to say, um, that, you know, perhaps if, if they have a, a second relationship or a, a third relationship and children within that, they change very much as a dad. Um do you do you you think that you're a better father? Has it given you reward to sort of change in that way? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I look back and think, oh dear, you were, you know, you weren't that good when you were younger. Uh, that wasn't really. Uh, it was sort of fairly normal at the time in the seventies and eighties uh, to be a distant father, out working and coming home to you know the the meal on the table. Um, so I don't think I was out of, out of the ordinary in that. But looking back on it, I think, well, that really wasn't that wasn't good. And I like to think that I've been changing with the crest of the wave, as uh, you know, people have realised that equality it means real equality, and not just I don't want to do this, and I I want to carry on doing the sort of thing I carry on doing. But I've never been um, one of those people who comes home and says, right, I'm off out to the pub and isn't seen for three hours and then comes back crashing through the door at 11 o'clock at night. I've never been like that. But I was I was working mostly if I was out of the house, but I was relying uh, on somebody else picking up the, the family pieces. Uh, but now I like to think I'm fully engaged, fully involved. So what, what, what was your dad like then? Was he a more remote figure? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's never any unhappiness at home, but my dad was the kind of... Uh, guy who would come home uh, from work he'd pour himself a whiskey and he'd oh. sit in his big chair and read the paper and have a cigarette uh, and you know if you said anything to him he'd go yeah 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 oh. uh, so it was typical west of scotland uh, man i mean he's he was an older father himself he was born in 1903 so wow. um, Gosh, he yeah was. so he was you know he was older and so he didn't have massive amount of energy for me and i was the youngest of four so by the time I came along, um, <laughs> I think both my mum and my dad had kind of thought, oh God, you know, just let this one bring himself up. Uh, so that was in a way that was good because I wasn't, uh, you know, I never got any of the hassles that my uh, elder siblings got <laughs> of being, you should have been home an hour ago. I mean, I went out the house and they didn't have a clue where I was, you know, and I wasn't getting up to anything desperate, but I was just going my own way. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, and my mum was as well. My mum was... Uh, uh, in her early 40s when I was born, which is, you know, in those days, uh, the beginning of the 50s, that was a, an older mother, you know, and she had, um, when I was a child at primary school, she had white hair, you know, so uh, she stood out at the school gate. Not that she ever came to the school gate, I had to make my own way home. <laughs> uh, again, a change, a change in things. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it, they were great. It was a great family. I loved 
uh, growing up, but they were not stern parents. But my mum was very warm. My dad was just a bit distant, but I never felt, you know, I always felt very, very comfortable in his company. He just didn't say much. Taciturn, I suppose, is the word. Yeah. And, and as you say, that was just pretty normal, wasn't it? So, you know, you wouldn't be remarking on it. Did it no. bother you that your mum was was older? I mean, it sometimes bothers me that I'm an older mum for my kids. I don't know whether that's something that you've considered. I never even noticed it. It was only, you know, when I was probably in my 30s that I thought, oh, she is quite old, really, you know, because uh, uh, she lived until she was 90, so she was around for a long time. And it was only when I thought, yeah, you must have been really old when you had me. And, but at the time, never, never struck me. She never looked, you know, to me, older than any of the other mothers. Uh, and, you know, it was just what's normal for you is normal, isn't it? Mm. And so in terms of you being older for your kids, that's not an issue for you? No, never was an issue. Uh, I mean, it's certainly, you know, when I was when we had our youngest, I thought, is this, you know, I'm going to be, I was doing the sums, you know, I'm going to be 57 when he was when he's born, you know. Okay, I'll still be around probably when he's uh, off to university. So that's good enough. That's enough. God, look at Des O'Connor. He had one when he was 71. Would you have another one? Absolutely not. <laughs> in view of the state of the planet it would not be irresponsible to have a seventh <laughs> and uh, murray your elder son um well of, of this uh of this marriage um with autism what has that taught you oh uh it's made me I think, you know, a much more understanding person, you know, just difference. I'm much more understanding of difference when people are just a little out of the norm, just a little, uh, whereas perhaps you might look at them in, in the past, you know, just a bit askance. Uh, now I look at them with sympathy and think, oh, I wonder what's, uh, what's happening there. And it's also made me very aware of autistic tendencies in other people, people who are leading ostensibly completely normal lives and I've, I've seen a number of people i think ah right okay it's just you know you get to recognize the signs everybody is different on the autistic spectrum but there are some sort of common common themes running through behaviors and uh, looks and things like that so um, i um yeah I, I'm, I'm much more understanding of people uh, and also i'm much more interested in finding out what we can do for uh, people like Murray, who is non-verbal or pre-verbal. And, uh, you know, at 20 years old, he can communicate by tapping on um, either an iPad or just a, a laminated QWERTY keyboard, just a bit of paper with the QWERTY keyboard on it. But it, it takes a lot of time for him to do that. It takes a lot of work and it's very frustrating for him. So I think empathy is the main thing that I've learned. Well, sorry, um, Ken, what's the difference between nonverbal and pre-verbal? Well, uh, nonverbal, uh, pre-verbal, it sort of uh, give open, holds open the possibility of speech. Uh, oh. So we prefer to say that because, okay. you know, it, it may and possibly very well could happen one day that some words uh, come forth. Mm -hmm. So we say pre-verbal because that means that there's always a chance. Right. And... I mean, how, how is that for you, given that you're a man of words, that, that speaking is your game, that humour is your, your game? You must have had to find a different way to, to communicate and, and relate with Murray. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he gives great hugs. That's, uh, you know, and I can ask him questions and he'll come up and give me a hug. Um, or if he's not happy, he'll kind of slightly push me away. Uh, so we, we have a communication system. If he wants food, he uh, can guide me to what he wants if he can't get it himself. Uh, so we have that. But as you say, you know, it, it's not lost on me that the guy who speaks for a living has a son who doesn't yet speak. It's not lost on him either. He's very aware of that. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not easy, but... Uh, he's so keen to express himself and he does, uh, you know, with a huge vocabulary, which we really don't know how he came up with. And he's got a very distinctive style of speech, as it were. He uses words like pining a lot and uh, I yearn, uh, you know, to do this. Uh, you know, it's slightly archaic language. And again, not really uh, real knowledge of where he picked that up from, but he's, he's obviously picked it up 
from uh, computers or something of like that mostly uh, and books so uh, he uh, is a quite a remarkable yeah. young man actually and we're, we're very proud of him and we're really hoping that he gets to communicate in the way he wants to uh, in the future and you know he's got a lot to say god it must have been a tremendous learning experience for for you i mean murray would be born when you were sort of in your early 50s you know having yeah. had this successful career and as you say a, a wordsmith etc um and then this child comes along who you love and adore but you know you have to learn yeah and we kind of treated it as a bit of a challenge you know right what can we you know what can we do what can we do to help how can we you know pursue his case how can we get him what he needs uh, which involved sometimes taking the local authority to tribunal and uh, fighting for the right place and the right form of communication so it's been you know something of a struggle but actually it's not felt like really hard work it's what you do i mean you if you have children you help them out don't you you, you do what you can for them to and, until they can do what they can for themselves you don't uh, you know you don't make life you know, absolutely easy for them but you want them to be in a, a good place and so that's what we do we are sort of just making sure that murray is in the best places he can be to learn and to be happy and uh, at the moment i think you know sort of got it right he's at a college uh, for four days a week and the uh, other day he goes to uh, a farm which uh, is specialist for autistic people and he has a fantastic time there he loves it so um we're, we're you know we're keeping on you know at the right track and hoping that with luck and development he will get uh, some words of speech in some ways are you happy that murray came along at the stage in your life that he did rather than say when you were 30. Um, probably that's true. I've never really uh, thought of it, but I might have struggled a bit more to cope uh, in my 30s, whereas in my 50s, I had enough life experience to think, OK, this is uh, something that, you know, you wouldn't ask for. But now that we have it, this is great. He is who he is. And uh, we'll just deal with this. And, you know, I'm a great believer in saying, you know, you, you, you deal the hand, you know, you play the hand you're dealt in life you know if you get a hand of cards some of them are not quite what you want you just get on with it and play them and i think you know that is that's life that's what we all have to do in some way or another so that's what we've been doing it's as simple as that you know that's that's murray he's ours uh, we love him and uh, we'll do what we can for him yeah well um ken you've made uh, karen's christmas as you know what are you doing for christmas yourself well, I'll be working right up till the Friday before Christmas uh, with Popmaster, the grand final. And uh, then we'll be at home and uh, on new, right through Christmas, New Year for the week and a half. And on New Year's Eve, uh, my local, little local band here in the village, who are called No Direction, uh, in which <laughs> I play, we, um, we have a, a gig in the local pub on New Year's Eve. So I'm afraid the tickets have all gone. So please oh, don't rush. No. Oh, please don't wait. rush. Are you <laughs> drumming? I am. I am uh, drumming. I'm holding the whole band together. Excellent. So that's what I say anyway. Oh. We, just before we finish, Ken, we like to play our big 6-0 bingo game. We've got 50 random questions. We're going to choose two, if you don't mind, off a little okay. um, bingo machine. Karen, uh, the lovely bingo oh, caller, me. will um, <laughs> will tell us. So, what's our first number? It is number eleven. All right. When, if ever, do you feel old? Um, I do feel old when I get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, it's um. What they... time's that at? Six o'clock. It's quite early. Right? Yeah, it's quite. I, I, it's the, the fingers, sore fingers, in the when I wake up in the morning, the stiff, stiff fingers. So I, it's uh, that's that's the, really about the only time I feel. Old. And if uh, I'm out walking, I suddenly, if I, you know, out walking with the family, I'm going rather more slowly than everybody else. And I think, well, wait, why are you rushing away like that? And I, in fact, it's me that's going mm. slowly. But the rest of the time, in fact, I can still run for a bus. I can still run upstairs. I don't say I feel great after it, but I can still do that. So that these are the only times. One more question, and it is 26. 26. Um, are there clothes you will no longer wear? 
No, I don't think so. Um, I, don't, I can't quite get into skinny jeans, I think, but I still wear jeans. And uh, I, I'd lost a bit of weight a few years ago, and I've managed to keep that off. So mm -hmm. I can get into almost anything. But there are things that, you know, after a certain age, you shouldn't wear, uh, the principal amongst them being a baseball cap. Right back to front. Oh, that's even worse. It is, isn't it? Bad, bad enough forward, but back to front is just a no-no after 40. We will forward your thoughts to Donald Trump, Ken. I know oh. you don't want to get into politics, but he's, he's the king of the baseball cap, isn't he? At least he doesn't wear it back to front. Uh, but no, it's uh, 75 or 7 or whatever he is. No, no, it's not a good look. There you it, go, does keep, Donald. it does keep his hair in place, so that's one thing. <laughs> that's right. Well, listen, thank you very much. We wish a very happy Christmas and a good new year, a good new year to you uh, in Scottish. And um, oh, so lovely to meet you! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you've made a, you've made Karen's year. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I expect to hear your name coming up on the contestant list of pop pastor any oh, day. Oh God! Now. Do you know what? Do you know what? I was talking about this here before, and the the person that was on. Uh, I can't say this morning. Um, got three. Oh dear, that, yes. that would be yeah. me. Oh, so wrong. I mean, yeah. and it's when they say, "Oh well, hoping to get um early early teens," and you think, oh, "God, don't put yourself in that." Or it's when they go on about the DJing, and then you think, "Oh God, you're setting yourself for that fall." And yeah, yeah. three today. But, no, they, they always they always say, "Yeah, I usually <laughs> score in the twenties or thirties," and then they get three, and you think. <laughs> But, you know, I don't like it because it's a terrible listen to you somebody getting three. So, you know, rather, if you come on, please get about 18, then we'll be happy. I'll not be coming on. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. You've, you've dodged the bullet there, yeah. Ken. What can I say? Um, thank you so much. And thanks for going along with our little ruse oh, there. I, I just desperately wanted to surprise so Karen. Lovely. And um, there you go. Oh, thank well, you. Thank you very much, Karen. Lovely to see you. I won't be taking up holy orders just yet, but no. nice to see you both. <laughs> Have a good Christmas. Take care. Bye. Thanks bye -bye. a lot. Bye. Bye, Ken. Bye. Oh, well, that's it, folks. The next time you hear from us, I will be eligible for my bus pass. After eight months or so of trying to find out from other people and dear old Karen here how to be 60, I'm going to find out for myself. So next week, I'm handing over the reins to Karen. She has all the questions that you have been sending in, and I never thought I'd say these words. She's in charge. God help us all. Keep the emails coming in. It's podcast at howtobe60.com. Have a wonderful Christmas. And for Val in Texas, here's Karen's tablet recipe. Okay, Val, here we are. You need 125 grams unsalted butter, a kilo of sugar, 300 mils full fat milk, 200 grams of condensed milk, that's that gloopy stuff in a tin, which is all sugar, and a capful uh, of vanilla essence or extract, not flavouring. So um, melt the butter, uh, sugar and milk in a pan over a low heat. Once the sugar has dissolved and it needs to be totally dissolved, bring it to the boil and cook for 10 minutes. Add the condensed milk. You can always freeze the other half of the tin uh, and boil again at a less rapid boil, if that makes any sense, for about another nine to ten minutes. And you'll see it starting to thicken and go slightly darker. Uh, remove the pan from the heat and drop a small amount into a glass of cold water. And when this forms a ball between your fingers, that's it ready. Um, add the vanilla essence now and begin beating with a wooden spoon for a good three to four minutes. And this bit is crucial Val so don't even think of stopping after two minutes. Uh, pour it into a baking tin and leave for 10 minutes or so to, till it sets and then cut it into squares. Yum yum. That's it. Have a great Christmas everybody. Cheerie!